All right. Um, as I said in the introduction, I have Mr. Kevin Ball here on the interview, and um, I'm going to let him describe himself and uh, talk to you about who he is, and then we'll get into his adventure. So, um, Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. So, yeah, um, excited to talk about the adventure here. Um, it was uh, something I never thought I'd do, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I just turned 40, so I was hoping to be able to get the 100-miler the knocked out before I turned 40. That didn't happen. Um, things got uh, switched around with Hellbender and eventually canceled, as I'm sure everybody that's familiar with this podcast fully understands. Um, so just turned 40. Uh, I have two little girls. Uh, they're definitely not into running yet. They're doing a the dance thing and um, everything with uh, with things that dad's not in or that they're not interested that, that I'm doing. So, um Yep. And, um, so full-time job is, is an engineer and I, uh, get up early to go run and get it in when I can. Right on. Um, and talk a little bit about your, your athletic background. How did, uh, um, how did you grow up? What sports did you play and all that good stuff? Yeah. So it was, um, pretty basic. I mean, grew up playing baseball for the most part and then, um, got into playing soccer, um, a little bit more competitively as I got older, and was moved into the role of, of goalkeeper. So definitely not a, a position where you're running at, at all. And in fact, in college, uh, you know, everybody had to pass the, the fitness test and um, hit, hit their two miles in a certain period of time. And I was always the one who wasn't hitting the two miles in that certain period of time. So um, I get, I get a, a lot of flack from my old friends and old, old teammates. But uh, yeah, I played co- college soccer um, for a small D D three school in, in upstate New York. And, um, once I was through with that headed and headed off to graduate school and really didn't touch anything with respect to running or, or sports for probably about 10 years, I'd say, and then got into running a little bit and, um, felt the peer pressure for, from some of the other folks that were doing the longer distances and just, uh, you know, fell into that trap and it's just gotten worse from there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was your, uh, previous long, but, uh, prior to this? Yeah, my previous long was, uh, GDR. It was in 2019. So everybody that knows GDR, it's about 73 miles. Um, felt like if I could hit 73, then 100 shouldn't be a problem, but I tend to make things harder each step of the way. So not only was the distance harder, but I felt like, uh, we needed to throw a little bit more elevation in there as well. <laughs> Um, and you and I started, uh, coaching after GDR and, uh, in prep for, for Hellbender. Um, and so, uh, once that didn't happen, um, and once we knew the, the reschedule wasn't going to happen, I imagine this is what came onto the radar. Yeah. So when, um, so when the reschedule didn't happen, you know, I put all the time in, felt like I still wanted to do something before the year was over, something big. And, um, was talking to uh, to some of the some of the other folks, Lee and 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 Greg Little, who are who are also uh, you know uh, some of your um, students, I guess you could say. And um, they they mentioned Gritchell, and Gritchell came up and felt like it was a, a good opportunity for me to knock out the hundred miler. I'd always uh, when when we drive up the Boone to go to the mountains, you always look off into the distance and you see Table Rock and you see Hawksbill out there and. I've always thought it'd be pretty neat to be able to run from Boone to to Table Rock and tell tell the girls that I was that, that Dad ran from, from Boone to Table Rock and um, that, that that got exacerbated with uh, with Gritchell and so decided to link uh, Boone Table Rock and um, well not necessarily Boone but Blowing Rock Blowing Rock and Table Rock and then um, Mount Mitchell so pulled them all together in one. <laughs> so uh we are talking about here in western north carolina for those of you that aren't familiar with our region um grandfather mountain is one of the most uh iconic mountains in uh in the western part of the state um and mount mitchell obviously the tallest peak which is uh, east of the mississippi so um kevin's idea here was to connect uh the two which we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about so everybody understands what you did and, and what was uh, involved in this um, so, you know, we call this Gritchell, which is the combination of grandfather and Mitchell. Um, and, uh, you want to talk a little bit about the route first, how, uh, l- let's say how far you said it was, you know, it's a hundred miles. Um, but what route did you choose? 
Yeah, so I decided to. I wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna be official unless I started from the top of Grandfather, right? I guess you could start from from the base on uh, Tonawa Trail, um, which is opposite the side that I started on. So I actually started on the Profile Trail side, and we um, ran power hiked all the way to all the way to the top. Came down um, uh, Grandfather uh, on Cragway. We did a small out and back to add a little bit of uh, uh, s- some miles and some distance there so I could catch the entire hundred. And from there, we hit Tonawa all the way out to Beacon Heights where um, where we picked up um, the, the MST and followed the MST from Beacon Heights on to um, through the gorge, through Linville Gorge, which is about halfway uh, between um, Grandfather Mountain and Mount Mitchell and ends actually at the base of of mount mitchell it doesn't go all the way to the top you have to hit uh the mount mitchell trail from black mountain campground up to um the top of mitchell so i'd say probably about 80 percent to 90 percent of the entire run was on the mst um but had to add a few trails to link them together and then a couple laps around the parking lot at the top of Mount Mitchell to uh, make sure the watch flipped over to a hundred. <laughs> That's great. So uh, MST for, again, for those not from our region is the mountains to sea trail. Um, it's a, it's a massive trail that, that they've been building throughout the state. It's actually, you know, just as the name says, it, it comes from here in the mountains, goes all the way out to our coast. Um, pretty amazing trail, but um, Kevin used it to, uh, to help him uh, accomplish, accomplish Gritchell. Um, so what are we looking at for elevation change for this route? Um, elevation change was probably, um, in about, I think I calculated 44,000 in change and then about 24,000 in climbing. Um, so it was was pretty significant. Um, you know, I think you capture about 10,000 of those feet in the first half. And then the last half is, is even harder with the, uh, the additional 14 or so. Um, I think I got that right, but yeah, there, there's, there's more on the back half than there is on the, on the front half of the run. Um, and I mean, by that point you're, you're wiped. Um, and so thinking about 12,000 more after you've hit halfway is uh, a little bit daunting for sure. <laughs> um, and had it been done previously? Not that I'm aware of. I know I know that people have linked all of the MST together at one point. I think there have been FKTs set potentially for the entire route um, that people have tried to string together. I was actually on uh, the FKT website last night looking for Gritchell or the um, segment four uh, of the Mountains to Sea Trail. It, to be more specific about which segment I ran, it was actually segment four. And nobody that it, it's definitely not listed on FKT uh, yet. So I'm, I'm unaware of, of anybody making it official. Cool. So we had an OKT. OKT <laughs> and soon probably an SKT, which I'm cool with. I got it done. <laughs> well, there's no time. Great. Um, so you, you talked about um, you, uh, you were talking with some of the, you know, the team members uh, from our group um, you know, Greg and Lee, but do you know who actually, uh, originally kind of talked about, um, creating this route? Um, so I heard it first from Greg and then I think that Craig Lancaster may have, um, done a lot of work beforehand to kind of pick out the route. Um, and to be quite honest, I'm not exactly sure if I followed along with, with his route or not. Um, but he's, he's looking to do it here pretty soon, um, from what I understand. So get a better idea if he's going to follow the same one, but yeah. So I, I think that Craig was probably, um, one of the influencers and the biggest influence in this and, and coming up with the, the would be route or the potential route. Um, Lee had mentioned his friend, um, Mark, um, uh, yeah, Mark, it's Mark Roston. Roston. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, had said that you know, Mark had also kind of cre- come up with something as well. Um, I just want to make sure we we credit everybody that that possibly had a part of this. But yeah, yeah, that's right. Mark actually um, he 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 made a go at it. Mm, was it? I don't know if it was early this year or sometime last year. Um, he on Strava when I was looking at his Strava um, um, data started his clock at at profile at uh, the top of uh, grandfather from what I understand. And he got to um, 
I think he got to the gorge. Yeah. Yeah. But Mark was probably another big influence in that as well. Awesome. Um, and had you run every section of this prior? Had you scouted out everything? Um, not, not every section. We, we've done quite a bit up, um, on grandfather. I go up there quite often to, to train and we've, we've done a lot in the, um, Wilson Creek area, which is what you, what follows Beacon Heights. Pretty much you go down into the Wilson Creek area and, um, you're splashing through the creeks down there quite a bit uh, as you, as you experienced, and then um, from there, you climb up into the um, just before the gorge, uh, the, um, the Brown Mountain area. Um, but no, that a lot of what was in uh, Wilson Creek was new to me. Um, I've done the gorge quite a bit. We did the, uh, the big loop in the gorge, the 22 mile loop. So I was very familiar with Table Rock over to Short Off, um, which are two um, prominent landmarks within the gorge. And then fall, going down into the gorge, um, definitely familiar with all of that. But the brutal climb out of the gorge, I don't ever recall doing, and I don't ever want to do that again um, <laughs> unless I have better legs underneath me because that was rough. Um, but three weeks prior to Gritchell, I went out and did the, the, the last 40 miles from Pinnacle, which is another um, um, peak or landmark on, on the gorge, and ran to, to Mitchell. So that was all uh, that would have been all brand new to me had not gone out three weeks before and um, experienced that. And that was, um, I did that self-supported. So that was, uh, that was an experience in and of itself. That was my first, first longer self-supported run. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun too, going out by yourself and, and doing something under your own, uh, under your own power with no support. Right. Uh, would you say that the, the climb out of the gorge, that was the, the biggest surprise? Um, so yeah, that was probably the biggest surprise for sure. Um, but definitely not the crux of the run. Um, that, that threw me. Um, and I was, I was really in a really, really nice mood before I hit that, that climb. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we, we had got to the top of the profile and you were surprised at, at how quickly you had gotten there. Um, and you know, it, it was hard to say if it was, um, how quickly the time passed or how quickly actually time you know, time-wise on the watch had passed. Because uh, like I said, I, when, when we got up there, I was like, wow, we've really, I didn't even realize we had gone that far. Um, so I should take a step back and say that I started with Kevin and um, I ran the first 24, 25 miles with with him um, just as a, as a pacer. So um, that said, um, what was your, 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 what's your, let's start with the pacer plan. I mean, obviously I just said I was the first 25, but you know, what was, uh, what was your plan thereafter? And, um, you know, did anything change or did it go to plan? Yeah. So, um, I tried to have, um, support, um, in the form of exchanges and, um, pacers about every, I think it averaged out to be maybe every 12 miles. I knew that I could be, I I, do well 12 miles, um, with somebody and even without somebody. So I made sure if, if things, you know, kind of hit the fan that, um, I'd be able to handle um, one of the legs by myself or a couple of the legs by myself and um, had water spots picked out along the way, which was which was extremely beneficial. Um, but the pacer plan was really to follow along with that 12, 12 mile plan, make sure I had everybody at position 12 miles on average apart. Um, and it actually did did fall apart. Um, I think after we uh, we ended, I was supposed to pick up my next runner who misunderstood, um, the, the start time, um, and thought we were actually starting on Saturday instead of Friday. And I, uh, showed up and my crew said, so, uh, we, we've got some news for you. Um, Matt's not going to be here. He, uh, he, he, he understood that we were starting tomorrow and not today. And, you know, I think one thing that I try to do before any big event is mentally prepare myself for is for anything that could go wrong or, you know, at least, reinforce the fact that, you know, things are going to go wrong and that you have to have a certain mindset in order to be able to accept those so that it really doesn't ruin your day. Now that became more of a challenge further on. Luckily this happened early on. Um, and, and I, and I was still in a good mood. Um, but yeah, Matt didn't show up for the second, um, second leg or would it, would it have been the third? Yeah. I did you follow me for the first? 
second and then he would have been the third and he wasn't there, which actually worked out really well because um, I, I intended to run that by my, um, with him, but the next section was a seven or eight mile section where I think if I didn't, and I was originally supposed to not have anybody for the next one. Um, but he showed up, he, he actually did in fact show up for the next leg and we ran that together, which turned out to be really good because the gorge was one of the sections of the run that I was most concerned about. Um, and it was only because it can get pretty hairy through the gorge from time to time. Um, the rains had kind of just kind of uh, started to fall and um, there was a lot of overgrowth through the gorge as well. And uh, for whatever reason, my, my mind right before it gets dark starts to go through a little uh, panic mode. So having him there and being able to talk to somebody and, and, uh, and um, you know, spend that time with before I had to get out into the gorge and do uh, part of the, one of the more difficult parts was, was big for me. So it was, it actually worked out to my, to my advantage that he didn't show up for um, that earlier 12 mile leg. <laughs> that was, uh, I, I, well, I'll take a moment here and, and talk to anybody that's, that's pacing. Um, so, um, so Kevin had mentioned that there was a bunch of Creek crossings that, you know, we started doing when we were down in Wilson Creek. Um, I actually slipped and actually I threw out my back. <laughs> um, yeah. But I didn't tell you oh, no. <laughs> that's a, a, a word of the wise for the pacers. Um, the same thing happened when I was just pacing Joe for, uh, his archel. Um, I cut open my shin really badly and I had an egg and bashed like three of my toes in. And I like, I tried staying with him as long as I could. And then we were getting out to the, where I could, you know, he could be okay to, you know, keep going. And he, he would see his, his crew. And I, you know, I hobbled in and I was like, Joe, that's all I got for the night. <laughs> <laughs> we got into, uh, to your crew there. And, you know, your friend was like, didn't show up at that point. And I was like, I'll keep going if you need me to keep going. When you said no, there was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, 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 so bad. I was just like, Oh my God. Uh, but, it, you know, it, but, but wait, the next day you go out and you, and you, and you run a, and, and you do some, and you're running support for uh, some of the folks like, trying to get time to run. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, I mean, you do, you do what you have to do for, for friends, but um, no yeah. So, I mean, you know, just the word of the wise, you know, don't let the runner worry about you if you're pacing. Uh, <laughs> it's, we, I was glad that you were in a good mindset and, uh, and I sent you off and you were happy. So, um, <laughs> Awesome. Um, you played it, you played it off well <laughs> it was like it was that one where like you know you slipped too it was like a really slippery rock we both kind of like jerked, oh, like, I yeah, jerked yeah. Back. and uh, like it just i had already like i had to like two weeks prior had injured my back and it just kind of retweaked it so uh, it wasn't it wasn't you know it wasn't real bad but uh man so uh, it was just a, it was a funny moment i was just like oh god i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> um, but you had uh, you had an awesome crew. You had some great friends. Um, you know that they, they were they were amazing. Uh, we did have one incident when we were running together. Uh, why don't you talk about your crew and what the plan was for those guys? Yeah, so they decided to take a coffee break early on, um, and we rolled up to Beacon Heights, and we were making really good time. Um, I was definitely way ahead of schedule, um, and they weren't really expecting me. I, so in my in my plan, I had. Um, I had an average pace established throughout the run and that was about 20 um, minutes per mile. Um, but I should have kind of um, made that a little bit quicker on the front end. So I suppose you could put some of the blame on me for not accounting for faster times in the beginning, but we showed up to the, 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 the story is we showed up to beacon Heights and Aaron and I are there and looking around my crew's not there trying to figure out what's happening. Um, but, uh, luckily it wasn't too long of a wait. Uh, they, they did show up. Um, but prior to that, even there was even that one other hiccup. If you remember, we met him on the trail, um, was about four or five miles in and I handed him my bladder cause I'd sucked down a lot of water more than I thought that I would by that point. And, um, they met us on the trail. We knew that they'd be there and I gave them my water, my, my bladder, and we said, you go ahead and put it up there at the, uh, the, the Beacon Heights Visitor uh, Center or the, the, Lynn Co the Lynn Cove Visitor Center. And uh, we ran right past it. So apparently they put it there or put it there after we passed. 
I missed it. So I missed my water there. We show up to Beacon Heights. The guys are a little bit late and uh, they, they did admit that they, they stopped for a coffee break and uh, we gave them, a, gave them a little bit of hell for that. And uh, yeah. well, but we, yeah. we talked it up to, to them being, uh, us all being green in this. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny. That was funny. Um, you did have a backup plan. We did have filters with us. Um, so we were okay on water, but um, you know, and thankfully the water was running really well. So we were, we were okay. Um, but that was pretty funny and, and they weren't too far behind, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was just one of those moments. Um, so um, how about the rest of the, the run, the, the crewing went pretty smooth thereafter. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. You know, I mean, they were all set up by the time I got there. They were um, they were ready to roll with food and with with water. And um, one of the things that I wanted to make sure I had into the night was, um, you know, I have a little um, mocha pot. So that's huge. I, that was, I tried to bring things along the way that would kind of perk me up, not just um, with the caffeine, but, you know, things that I enjoyed to, to, to drink and have um, that I know won't upset my stomach on a day-to-day basis. So rolling into an aid station with, or an exchange station with, um, you know, hot coffee and ramen noodles was huge. Um, they, they were very well prepared at each one. Um, I think one of the things that, um, we didn't quite get a good handle on was, um, and this was partly because of the weather, right? I did, I, you know, when, when I packed, if you take a look at my Instagram account, I took a picture of the night before and, you know, everything I had like running wise and gear wise was packed because I didn't know what to expect. So if you're doing this for the first time, I highly recommended recommending if you can organize it well enough to pack, <laughs> pack everything. Cause you don't know what you're going to need. Uh, you, you'll figure it out though. And I guarantee the next time I won't bring as much. Um, but one of the things that um, I, I did plan for, but I just didn't know when I would need it. Um, was all of the gear for, for the rains that hit from Hurricane Delta. Um, so when we started to get into that mix where I was starting to get tired and coming in and you know being saturated, uh, it was difficult for them to kind of predict what I would need because they didn't know how things were going out there until I rolled up to the exchange. So um, things went really well. Um, I would say that... Um, um, yeah, I, I really can't think of anything that's that, that went too 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 bad for us. Um, we definitely have some. We can we could probably speed things up along the way, um, and we'll, we'll work on that. I'm going to give them heck after this and and make sure they understand what to do next time I'm coming through. But no, they were fantastic, and uh, they knew they knew how to treat me. They they know my attitude, and they can kind of read me pretty well. We've been running a long time together, and so that was huge too. So make sure, you know, if you're, if, when you're picking your crew that they understand who you are and kind of, you know, your, your mindset when things start to turn bad, that, that was, that was, I think the mental support was more than anything they could have done with respect to setting up the aid stations and getting me water. Right. Um, early on, uh, when, when we were uh, coming through, they were, you know, having to search for things. Did they kind of smooth that out later on? Like, did they get things a little bit more organized or did it just all go to chaos? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say it probably all went to chaos once we, uh, once we got into that, that, that realm of, you know, colder weather, colder temps and, and rain and things like that. Um, but once they figured out where, where my, the, the, each individual bag that I had labeled was, it, it, it went a lot better. And um, I had actually been able to, I was actually able to figure out a few things too, so too, while they were preparing what I needed. And um, I think one of the things that didn't quite work out the way that I thought that it would was um, the plan I had put in place for what I felt like I would need. So that might have added to the confusion as well, in the sense that I would come in and they may have been prepared to to hand something to me, but based on the sheet that I had made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't turn out to be the case. I rolled up and I needed something else. So that, yeah, I think that was kind of uh, another opportunity for uh, for failure in the exchanges. But no, that once we figured out the bag situation and where where the clothes were, we, we were all good until it started to hit the fan in in the Mitchell area, <laughs> where the weather rolled in. And it yeah, was, yeah, talk about that. Um, and I mean, just a few things to note. Um, you know, they were they were having to make 
like you, you had the peanut butter sandwiches and stuff. Um, you know, they could have those made ahead of time, you know, just have a few made up and put them in plastic bags and they can just hand them to you and off you go with it. You know, you don't have to wait. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you see them and you know, you're going to see them, uh, at the next day station say, Hey, like, you know, let's have this, let's have this made just in case I want it. Um, or they can just kind of have a buffet, you know, and, and just say, you know, grab whatever you need. Um, yeah. You know, it's, um, that's the hard thing. Cause you know, I, like what I just tell my crew is like, here's my smorgasbord, you know, just put out a variety and I'll grab whatever I want. Cause you know, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to want when I get in there, you know, like, so I just, I get in and I've got this, you know, kind of buffet <laughs> and right, I, just right. grab what I want and off I go, you know, so, uh, saves a little time, especially, you know, you don't have to get as specific as to, you know, I'm, I, at this point I'm going to want this. Cause like you said, it changes, you know, you, yeah. you may, think you want something and then your, your palate's like, no, no, <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> I want this. So, uh, yeah, just keep it, keep it vague and, you know, and open and just say like, you know, lay out this. And then like, at, you know, when you get in, say at the next one, let's try to have some hot food or something like that, you know, and just have some, something ready. Yeah. But, it, it actually kind of evolved into that. It was interesting because, um, as we got further and further in, they had more and more out and they were like, I guess they figured <laughs> screw it. He yeah. doesn't know what he's that's good and, when they uh, adapt yep. yep yep they adapted and evolved that's, so that was cool. that's great that's great um so um we uh we had kind of we talked after you had done uh after you had finished gritchell um and we were kind of talking about you know we um we suspected that we were going to be running um hellbender in late uh november that was kind of what we were projecting but then um you know Given what was going on, we uh, like, I, I think, what did you say? It was like probably August that you decided you were going to do Gritchell. Uh, yeah, I'd say it was about the August time frame. <laughs> yeah. So um, we kind of had to make a quick, quick change. <laughs> and uh, so we obviously didn't get in the full training cycle uh, that we, you know, we, we were, had intended. But um, what we did do is we tried to prepare you as best we could for getting you strong and, you know, and, and started to get like some longer efforts in, even though, our, you know, our timeline had, had been eclipsed. Um, so, um, talk about, you know, you talked about, you did that solo adventure, but, um, how were you feeling going into this? Um, were you a little bit, um, you know, nervous about it just because like I said, you know, you didn't have the full training or how were you feeling? Were you feeling confident? Yeah, so you know, I don't think I fully um, realized until afterwards that we didn't complete the the entire training cycle, which really played to my advantage because I think if I would have uh, showed up the profile trail knowing that I was only sixty percent trained, I would have been a little bit nervous than I actually was. Um, but, but no, you know, I mean, I think like two weeks before and even the week before, um, I was amped. I was ready to go. Um, I told told Mike and, and Andrew, my, my two buddies uh, before, before the run, I said, I haven't been this, this excited to play and, and run or do something of this magnitude since, uh, since playing soccer in college. I mean, you get amped before the games and you're ready to go out there and um, there's just nothing like that feeling. And I hadn't felt that in so many years. So um, being out there, I mean, there was the, there was the, the anxiety um, but I knew I was prepared. I knew if I could keep my feet healthy um, my gut strong and injury free that this was in the bag from the beginning. And it's very rare for me to, to have that feeling. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, thanks to you and, and the support that you've given me and the, the solid training plan, it was huge. It worked out really well. Um, but it, that's just a testament to, um, what solid preparation does and what it can give you both physically and mentally, you know, you'll know when you're prepared. Um, um, and I'm glad that I didn't know that I was only slightly <laughs> underprepared. Um, but I, no, I, 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 in the end, I felt extremely strong and, and ready to go. And um, man, I, I keep thinking about it now. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was, uh, I wonder what I could have done if I was a hundred percent there. Let me do it again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, uh, and and it is to say, uh, Kevin is um, he's very consistent um, with his training, and that's you know that's obviously the key is being consistent with your training. He, you know, he gets in his long efforts, as he said earlier. He gets up earlier and gets it done. You know, like it's I I never have to question, did you get this done? I mean, you know, we 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 talked about like kind of the strength training and ancillary things, and we kind of worked around that because 
you know, as Kevin said, he's got a full-time job. He's got two kids. So, you know, he's got a busy life. So, you know, we, we kind of um, circumnavigated some of the doing the ancillary things by putting certain things in his training. Um, like we did the, the hill plyometrics and stuff like that to give him some strength and stuff. So um, we, you know, we incorporated those things just based off of his time. So it's, it's, I thought it was pretty cool the way we um, managed your training to, to, you know, to kind of both get you ready for this event and to uh, accommodate your, your, your busy life. Um, yeah. And I, like, I appreciate the fact that you were willing to, you know, try this different thing. Cause at first you're like, Aaron, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing this? And then like, you know, after a few sessions, you're like, wow, this stuff is really working. Yeah. You, you yeah, had yeah. like that you did it had some good climbing and you're like oh my god like I, I just feel so strong on the climbs so uh you know it, it it worked i mean that was that was great you know um i was i was super psyched that it, it you know it, it panned out the way it did yeah uh, that was fantastic <laughs> um so um in your preparations aside from training uh you know you we you know we were just talking about you had um you know you had a certain plan for uh for fueling that kind of went out the window and you you know you kind of had to make some some stuff up on the fly um like talk about your your gear for a little bit here um you know i know you had some issues because of the weather so let's just touch on that stuff for a minute what what were you what were you wearing what were you using um you know what what choices did you make yeah so um i brought along you know from the beginning it was um really nice weather i think we started out and what was it it was like low 50s maybe mm-hmm. and um you know i keep a journal of all my run well all my longer runs so it's easy for me to go back and flip through to see you know whether what was happening what the temperatures were what the um other climate was like was it was it was it raining what were the temperatures when it was raining so I had a very good idea based on the weather forecast of what I would need based on my prior experience. So I used my prior experience to really prepare for what I would hit out there. And I knew things were going to hit the fan about midway through. Um, so with the colder temperatures, I, uh, you know, I really didn't have to put on long pants at the beginning of the run. I was wearing the Patagonia, Patagonia shorts and, you know, uh, a small tee. And I, I carried trekking poles with me the whole time as well. Um, and then I brought brought along two headlamps as well. I just bought the new the new Petzl Swift for this one as well. I figured it's a good opportunity. I used it um, uh, used this as an excuse to get another one. So I said, <laughs> I don't want my headlamps failing because I don't know if I'm going to get another opportunity to run a hundred miler. So now I have really two two nice really headla- two really nice headlamps. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I had the I had the light gear uh, from the get go. My feet do tend to uh, become problematic over time, um, so I had multiple changes of socks just in case. And I knew after Wilson's Creek area that those were just going to be saturated, and I'd, I'd really just, for the mental side of things more than anything else, enjoy a new pair of socks, just warm and dry, and, and that was huge. But um, one of the other things that I'll point out, it's not necessarily what gear I was wearing, but the lubrication of the feet. You know, if you can, if you can you know, stand to stop just for a few minutes to put lubrication on your feet during a hundred mile run. It's huge. You know, thank yourself later. Um, and after, you know, once it started to get dark, uh, I kept the tee on, kept the shorts on, um, and then really didn't have to, uh, bundle up or hunker down until we got to halfway through the run on Dobson's knob, which is just after, uh, the gorge, Limbo Gorge. And at that point, the first bands of the hurricane really started to hit and fog rolled in and I had to don my, you know, um, it was the Arcteryx Norvan jacket. I've had it for about three years now and it did well up until I'd say it was the climb up to um, 80 and the Blue Ridge Parkway. And that was that run there is really the crux of the run where um, you have one massive climb. Once you get past that climb, it's rolling hills. Well, not hills are a little bit more (laughs) significant than hills. If if I can going back to remembering how mad I was at that part of the run. Um, So it was all rolling. And um, by that point, something my jacket had failed um, and I became completely saturated. Um, which really, really sucked because that jacket has really never failed me in the past. And I was really surprised 
Um, we came into that, that exchange at 80 and I had to put on, um, I actually had to end up putting on, uh, adding a Merino base layer, um, because there was just no way that the Norvan would have, you know, resisted any more water at that point. It may have, the reason I decided to keep it on was I felt like it might add some level of insulation with the Merino wool. And it actually did. So having that Merino base was huge for me. And I brought that along. And then I had a pair of uh, Montane rain pants that I picked up. I figured if um, if the, the folks on the British Isles know anything, it's it's how to handle the rain. So that's why I went with the Montane version. <laughs> it's a little pricey, but man, it, it came in handy coming uh, coming down into, into Black Mountain. So um, yeah, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned uh, for Hellbender was having two jackets. Um, and you know, I was really keen on buying a second jacket jacket before the run. I just didn't pull the trigger cause I felt the Norvan would be able to pull through for me. Um, but, but it didn't. Um, so next time I'm, I'm going to be going out with, with two jackets for sure if I can afford to do so. Um, but yeah, I would say that that was, that was primarily it. I had, you know, a beanie, um, just to keep the head warm, because uh, I knew it would start to get cold as I got up into the elevations, higher elevations with the rains. Um, so even even with that saturated a little bit, it was still able to retain a little bit of heat, which was nice. Um, let's talk the footwear for a second. Um, you well, had yeah, the most important part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had had um, foot pain in uh, you know in training. You had along the lateral side, the outside of your foot, you were getting some foot pain. Um, and then when, when I was leaving, uh, we switched up your lacing a little bit. We, we moved the lacing up. Did that help or did you start to get that foot pain again? No, that, that was completely alleviated once we had switched up the lacing. Um, so we, we bypassed the first two loops, um, and hit the second two up from the bottom. And as soon what, for whatever reason, you know, I absolutely love the G two seventies by innovate. Um, they're the best feeling shoe that I've, that I've worn the most comfortable, most cushion, but for whatever reason, the two seventies really, and I don't notice until, until the deeper miles, uh, like mile 30 and 40. And I think we were close to 30, probably 25 here. And I started to feel it. And I knew if I didn't do something soon that I was in for a world, world of hurt over the next 70 miles. So just dropping the amount of pressure that was, um, being exerted on the inside and outside of the ball region of my foot was absolutely incredible. <laughs> I, have to, I have you to thank for saving my run at, at, at mile 25. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that worked out. Um, you were wearing two different pair of innovates, right? You had, um, uh, yeah, I had trail talons. Um, it, when I first started out, I just wanted a little bit more protection um, going over some of the rocks and, and roots on uh, Tanawa Trail, I knew that I'd run that before, and I knew that that was a very technical, rooty section. So I wanted a little bit more um, under the foot um, through that area. That that worked out really well. And then when we got through uh, Wilson's Creek, um, I put on the the 270s and, and knocked out the remaining distance with the 270s. I probably could have done the entire entire distance with the 270s, but. I just wanted that peace of mind for those first few miles um, that, that I could get through the, the, the more technical section without any problems. Nice. Very nice. Um, well, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of danced around here, but why don't you tell the full tale? I, you know, I was, I was there for the first 25, but they don't know your story on, you know, on what was going on. So, you know, start with uh, what time you started and then, you know, just go ahead and spin your tail. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we had initially intended to start um, around 4 a.m. Uh, I got out of the house a little bit later as I was um, in a small panic mode trying to organize everything and make sure I had everything packed and hadn't forgotten anything. But um, we ended up starting about 4.30 in the morning. Um, it was the first time I'd run with you. So um, that was always I think it's always exciting um, having those conversations that are, that are new that you may have had with somebody else you get to learn something about somebody um, and that, that helps pass the time um, and, and calm the nerves, um, which was huge for me. 
Um, because even though I was very confident, I was I still had the nerves going and the butterflies were rolling pretty well. Um, but we, we booked up, uh, grandfather. Um, and I say, I say booked because, um, and I, I use that loosely. Um, e- even though we probably don't have an FKT up there, um, it was a lot faster than I had wanted to go at that point of the run, but I still felt good. I wasn't pushing it. Um, and we reached the top really quickly and which was really nice. That was a, that was a boost of morale to not only feel good, but to move fast and still feel strong and know you weren't in, and know you're not, you know, burning the gas tank yet was, was a huge morale boost. Um, so for, from the top, obviously we dropped down into tunnel trail and move along, uh, there for about, uh, my, my, it's, it's escaping me right now, but it might've been about eight miles, six to eight miles uh, up to Beacon Heights. And uh, I highly recommend anybody um, who wants to see the leaves to obviously get out early. But that week, um, the beginning, the first two weeks of, of October, were, it was just stunning up there. Uh, when we made that that um, turn up to Rough Ridge, you and I both kind of looked and I, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was just such a contrast from what we had been in, which was the dark primarily up until that point. And when you make that climb and that's the sun was rising at that point and it was just perfect light to see the, uh, the, um, the leaves, which were at peak at that point. And so from, from there we, uh, take off and hit beacon Heights, which was the first, uh, big exchange zone, you know, got, got some more fuel there, more water. And then we dropped into, uh, the Wilson Creek area <clears throat> and really the Wilson Creek area is fun. There's a lot of waterfalls through there, but, um, I didn't see, we, I think we saw one, one, one big waterfall through there. But um, if you're willing to spend more time out there and go through um, um, some of the other trails that connect to the MST, it's just absolutely stunning. Um, but for what we were doing, we were crisscrossing back and forth between the creek um, for the most part of that run. Um, there's really not much more to say about that except for, um, you know, um, just make sure you have really um, – choose to drain very well because they're going to get soaked um, and uh, make sure you're going at a time when that water currents um, pretty low. So um, did you have after any that, we, what's that? Did you have any lows during that time? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I started to get a little bit tired, but it was really, um, it was really due to uh, fueling. I'd say the lows were probably just due to fuel. Once I got some sugar in my belly and um, some food in the belly, I, I perked up again. Um, so I, I've done pretty well with tra- with monitoring um, how I feel and understanding when um, I'm miserable because I've been out on the trail too long versus miserable because I don't have anything to eat, um, <laughs> which is a, a huge step in my life. If you ask, ask my wife, because um, <laughs> she says I never know why I'm angry, and it's usually because I'm hungry. So I've actually been able to figure that out better on the trail than I have at home. Um, <laughs> so. Um, you know, after the Wilson Creek area, we climb out of there and it actually drops back down into, into the Creek for a little bit longer after I left you. Um, and you know, that, that 12 mile section was, it it was really pretty, really beautiful. Still a a lot of creeks at that point until you get to, um, really the eight mile climb out of there, um, through the, uh, up to the, uh, what, what would be close to the Brown Mountain Overlook on 181. So if you've been, ever been up to uh, on 181, going up to the Table Rock area, you, you'll know what I'm talking about. So that last climb up there was um, it wasn't too difficult. I was in a good mood. I, I knew I was going to see my my crew in about eight miles. Um, my folks were also going to be there. It was actually the first time my folks were out there to kind of see me um, and and um, um, you know ha- be there for me and and really learn about what ultra running was. And, uh, I don't think they recognized me when I came in because I really didn't pay too much attention <laughs> to, what mile to them. What's that? What mile were you at when you saw them? Um, so that would have been, so I left you at 25. So this was close to 40, 37 or 40 miles in. Um, and still I was feeling good and, you know, we come out on, uh, um, 181 there and man, that was a terrifying exchange. I, you know, in retrospect, uh, seeing those cars flying around 181 and we had our exchange station set up right there was maybe a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> thankful nobody uh, decided to, to, to run into us, but um, yeah, they, they were there and uh, that was cool. Mom, mom had cookies uh, for the guys. And, and another thing funny happened at this exchange. 
Um, so Mike and Andrew had uh, just come back from dinner um, and they, they uh, graciously saved me some, some of their uh, chips from the table and a, a single tortilla. So um, I didn't quite know what to think of the single tortilla. I got a good laugh out of it, uh, but I wasn't quite ready for uh, any Mexican at that point. Um, so that's, that's, the, that's the stop where I picked up Matt, who was supposed to run the previous 12 with me, but had you know, misinterpreted the, the start times. Um, and from there, you know, um, we actually took a wrong turn on one of the four service roads. We caught a, probably about an extra three quarters of a mile to a mile out. And so we had to backtrack, which I was totally fine with. I planned for, um, you know, some, some wrong turns and I was actually hoping for them because I knew I'd fall short, uh, when I got to Mitchell, <laughs> I didn't feel like running any more laps when we got to the top of Mitchell. So any, any wrong turns I was, I, I welcomed as long as I was still in a relatively good mood and I was still in a good mood by this point. Well, so, talk, um, talk about your navigation uh, because, you know, a few times you pulled out your phone just to check, make sure we we're on route. What were you using? Yeah. So I used, um, I mapped everything out on all trails. Uh, I have a subscription to all trails. That was huge. And just being, being able to plan the stops. Um, and then I cross-referenced um, all trails with um, trail run project. So between those two, you, the, it's odd. I don't know if the triangula triangulation when you get out of uh, GPS reception is kind of spotty as well, but, but through some of those areas, um, if you're not, if you, I, I always find that you have to cross reference between the two um, in order for, for me to find uh, the way sometimes, but uh, yeah, all trails and trail run project were, were my two go-tos while I was out there. Um, and they did well, they, they definitely did well. And um, you know, the, 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 uh, the white blaze of the MST um, it's generally well marked. There are some sections where if you're not paying attention, especially the forest service roads um, and that's where I typically got hung up where the, where the forest service roads where the white blaze is off to the left, but I'm in that, you know, trance state on the forest road, just going because it's flat and you can just go for days at that point. Um, so that's where I really messed up. And that's actually where I messed up before on the 40 mile or about three weeks before, um, so yeah, navigation was primarily, um, GPS using the phone. Cool. Yep. And so, um, you know, Matt and I hung out for a good seven to eight miles. Um, he got me into the dark and got me into the next, uh, exchange point where I met, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Folan. Uh, he and I've run together a few times as well. And, um, that was another interesting point in the run because when, when I arrived there, um, Saw Josh at his, at his Jeep, looking around at his Jeep, you know, kind of throwing his arms in the air, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, I see Mike there, too. And you, you, you just get the sense that something's not right. And sure enough, um, Josh had dr driven up there and parked his car, got out of his car, heard a hissing, and it was a flat tire. <laughs> so me being the empathetic person and wanting to problem solve, um, I immediately went into problem solving mode versus, you know, let's get this thing going. Um, <laughs> but I had to get out of that mindset as well, because I knew if I got into it that I'd lose, I'd lose track of what I was trying to do. Um, but luckily they, they had a plan. They had it all figured out by the time I got there. And um, there was actually a little miscommunication about where that exchange was. I, we were lucky to come up on Mike and uh, Josh there um, right before the aid station, but they had actually driven to uh, another location that was probably about a quarter mile up the road. Had they not been there, we're not exactly sure how we would have found them. So uh, I guess I guess that flat tire was a little bit of a blessing in disguise. Um, so we got there, and um, that was probably that was uh, that aid station was a lot of fun actually. For whatever reason, I, I don't quite know if it was just the uh, the random confusion and. Just one of those other moments where you're just like, really, this I, I I really don't believe that this is happening, but whatever, let's roll with it and keep going. Um, so, how did they know um, where to go? Um, so I had everything mapped out. I had GPS coordinates for them, um, and double check those coordinate coordinates on Google Maps. So when I dropped a pin on all trails, copy that pin over to Google Maps to see if I could drive to it physically. And um, I, I double checked everything, but I'm not sure how that one got screwed up. Um, 
that's something else I'm going to have to talk to the guys about because I haven't talked to them in a, in a little while. We haven't had our debrief yet, so I got to figure out what went, what went wrong there. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was all pin drops along the way and, and sharing the coordinates with everybody, and everybody was there. Um, we got rolling out of um, that aid station and hit the gorge. And if uh, for whatever reason, you know, I, I, I don't freak out, but it always leaves me with a weird feeling when I'm going into the gorge at night. It was probably a run that we had about two years ago that we did in the gorge. And it was a pretty miserable time. Uh, we got hit with a thunderstorm while we were in the gorge and had to hunker down on the trail to avoid lightning. Um, and, um, yeah, I think that was, that left me with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And, but once I, you know, having Josh there was huge. Um, you know, he, we, we talked the whole time, had great conversation. It was one of those, you know, I'll call it a spiritual moment in the run where you're just kind of like, you're in the zone, you know, everything's you're, you're living life outside of your body and things are moving really well which was huge. And I absolutely love that. And uh, it was good to have Josh along there with me, reminding me to drink, reminding me to, you know, eat, you know, asking, is there, you need anything? You're doing good. You want to stop? And and just absolutely uh, great spending time with him through the gorge. And um, the gorge was overgrown, like I'd said before. And it's, that's when the rains had just started to fall and the the leaves were starting to get wet so my shirt was starting to get saturated because i was running into the overgrowth um on the trail um but luckily the winds hadn't picked up yet so i was still in a, in a good good state um as i was moving through the gorge um went down uh short off hit the linville river from the linville river we went up through the gorge. I already explained that that was a miserable time um, that I don't want to revisit anytime soon. Uh, I mean, it's just a, it's just a straight up climb for two miles. Um, it's power hiking the whole time. Um, I'm sure it would be much more enjoyable through the day um, when you have the views um, in sight, but we were, we were going there through the dark. And then we hit my, um, hit my team on Kistler road um or 105 multiple names for it there but we called it the pinnacle exchange um and i think it was ap- uh, appropriately named because that was probably the pinnacle of how i'd feel throughout the run uh because pretty much after that everything was was um um downhill um picked up andrew and i actually kind of i planned this um so that um my two, mo- the, the guys that I've spent the most time with on the trail would be with me for the most difficult and my lowest moments. Um, so I saved Andrew and Mike for last, picked up Andrew at Pinnacle, and we headed out um, on over Mountain Victory Trail first, which, you know, connects to the blue, uh, the, um, not blue dot, the, uh, the white blazes of the MST up to Dobson's Knob. And uh, once we got up to Dobson's Knob, that, that section is pretty technical, especially when you get on the ridgeline through there. And that's when that's when the hurricane bands really started to hit. And the fog was so dense, I couldn't see more than five to ten feet in front of me. So in a way, you know, I kind of I tried to figure out I tried to find the good in things uh, along the way. And and in that, when the fog was so, so thick. Um, I used it as an opportunity to help me stay awake so I could try to focus and find the, the, the white blazes, um, along the way. Cause I, I'd been through that section before there was a lot of blowdown when I was there and I actually had to reroute part of the MST in one of the sections. So having the experience of being out there once and then coming back and, <laughs> and then having it made more difficult in the night and with the fog was a little bit of a challenge, but having to to know that you have to focus in order to find your way was big it kept me awake it kept me focused and it kept me um interested in wanting to look for the next one to make sure that we were on the trail um but but that whole section was was really challenging so once you get off of dobson's knob there's tons of switchbacks over very technical terrain you know you're more you're you're not running it's just power hiking and you know making sure you don't bust it through the night and 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 you run through an injury um, and then through that, after the, after you get through Dobson's knob, you pick up some forest service roads. Um, and then from there we hit 221. So Andrew was with me for about 
12 to 14 miles and through probably the lowest part with respect to um, um, speed. That was probably one of the, the, the slower sections that I felt like I could get through a little bit quicker. So that was a little bit disappointing, know that it, knowing that I could move quicker through that area, but couldn't due to the conditions. Um, but then we hit 221. I picked up Mike. It was feeling pretty down at that next exchange station. And uh, I was cold and I was hungry. I didn't know what I wanted. And that was really frustrating coming into an aid station, not knowing what you wanted or what would be, what would get you amped up again was, was, a, was a challenge. So um, I, I gave myself a few minutes to feel sorry for myself, um, which I think you do need to do. I think you need to say, listen, you know, it's okay to, to feel like this, but you need to figure out how you're going to get out of it. And um, I was able to do that with some, some hot oatmeal and some Cypress Hill and House of Pain. Uh, the House of Pain was out apropos for uh, how I was feeling at that point. So I'm um, not sure how the people in the surrounding neighborhoods felt about Cypress Hill and House of Pain blasting at five seven in the morning. But, uh, but we had it going. I had a dance party for myself and uh, picked myself up. And, you know, I think giving yourself the opportunity to feel bad, uh, but, you know, telling yourself that you can't last this long in that, in, in that low is, is critical. And then figuring out ways to, to get yourself going um, and things that you enjoy when you're not miserable can, can really drag you out of a situation. Um, hot food, you know, that, that small cup of coffee and just trying to have conversations with people to get your mind rolling again, back into a, uh, into a more normal, normal state. Um, and then <laughs> as soon as we hit the trail off at of 221, uh, to get back on the MST, we took a look and off to the side, there's a sign 26.2 ma- uh, miles to, to the top of Mitchell. And I'm sitting there like, I really have a marathon to go in this thing. This is, this is bonkers, <laughs> you know? And so um, that that section was kind of the crux of, of the run. Uh, if, if you remember what I said before, um, that starts out and there's a pretty massive climb that you have to knock out uh, once you're maybe five miles in from the last exchange that that big climb hits and it wasn't the big climb that that did me in i remembered differently um what i felt like i would run into um, based on my experience three weeks prior so for whatever reason i felt like and it was probably my physical state at that point and a different mindset as well about how i how i felt in that situation versus how I felt now. Um, and so I remembered it differently, felt like the rolling hills after the big climb weren't going to be as severe as they were. So that kind of, that kind of messed me up. Um, in, in one way, I'm glad I went out to scope it out to see what it was all about. In, in another way, I was like, man, I was feeling really good at this point. No, I, I just want to kind of stop. <laughs> um, yeah. So f- from there, we, uh, met my folks again at, at the uh, intersection of 80 and the Blue Ridge Parkway. And by that point, you have about 14 miles left. And we, uh, if you go to my Instagram page, I'm going to post my, it's only recently that I've been able to really kind of summon the strength to write anything about this, this event um, and really identify with what happened and figure out, you know, what I wanted to say about it. So here, here in the next couple of days, I'm going to post this story but I'm going to post one of me strolling into this, this exchange and the look of anger and disgust on my face is nothing that I've ever been able to replicate in the mirror in my life. Uh, so I was just so incredibly um, wet, miserable, and I've been miserable on the trail before, but this was a different misery. Um, so we, we got in there. This is where I put on that new Merino, uh, that Merino base um, got some, you know, new shorts, new socks, um, had some, uh, had some warm, uh, warm food there as well. And we were back out on the trail and descended into black mountain campground. It rained the entire time. I put on the pants about a mile, um, into that run. And the, the, those pants did wonders for me. I felt really good. Um, and was actually able to run a little bit of that section. Um, and was was excited about that because up until then it was it was miserable technical wet terrain in the dark that I couldn't really navigate well. The next section was all climbing, which is I mean it's just straight up, right? And my legs were 
they, they hadn't given out by any means, but they were just not in a state to be able to run um, up until I dropped into Black Mountain Campground and um, some of that descent. I was able to pick up some speed. Um, we got into Black Mountain Campground. Andrew was there waiting for us again. Um, Mike hit that second leg with me in the climb. Um, but coming out of Black Mountain Campground, I was I was starting to feel ill. Uh, it wasn't the uh, stomach churn or, or nausea that hit. It was just, I think it was just pure exhaustion that was hitting at that point. Um, I was gassed and, you know, I was ready to burn the tank at that point. It was really the only thing I had left. Um, but what was funny though, you know, we we had come down, made our way off of the mountain, raining, miserable the whole time. So we got a change of clothes, got some warm clothes on hit the trail and it was so warm on the other side. <laughs> so here we are, we're decked out in this gear that's supposed to, you know, keep us dry and warm and it's sweltering at this point. And, you know, I, I pull my, pull my, um, my wool layer off. You can see my midriff. I look, I would look horrible. <laughs> I, was, I was quite a specimen for people passing us along the way on the trail. Um, but yeah, we climbed, um, we had good, good conversation. You know, I think at that point, um, I, I was really in a down state, um, but I picked myself out of it, picked myself up out of it by saying, you know, look at, look at how far I, I had come just, you know, retrospectively, look at how far I had come, look at the sacrifices that, you know, my, my kids made, my wife had made, um, and look at this as like, you know, this might be the last time you walk five mile, the last five miles of a hundred miles. Um, so, so take it all in you know, live in that moment, you know, I've never really ever been able to live in that moment or, you know, appreciate what that statement means until then, you know, I mean, you put so much into something and those last five miles, you can spend being miserable or you can spend appreciating everything that you've done to get to that point and everything that people have sacrificed along the way there to get you to that point as well. So, you know, I, we got to the, we got to the top and, uh, mom and dad were there. My sisters surprised me as well. Um, my, my little girls were there. My wife was there. Everybody. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more fanfare for the guy coming across, you know, a hundred miles from grandfather all the way to Mount Mitchell, but Mitchell was sucked in. And so it's like my family there and just some random dude running up to the top of, uh, of Mount Mitchell. And uh, it was cool to have my girls there. They ran to the top with me. So um, we crossed up there together and uh, you know, I was, I was stoked at, at that point, all the, uh, all the sleepiness, the exhaustion, the hunger, all the pain, it was non-existent until I hopped back down to the parking lot and knocked out those, <laughs> those last three laps. I was like, Oh, there's the pain again. <laughs> um, that, that's beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, we can always say congrats once again. Um, but, um, if you were to go through now, you've, you know, you've had time to process, you said you're, you know, you're going to be putting out um, your, you know, your thoughts. Um, what are some of your, your thoughts on the experience? Uh, would it be something, um, would you a do a hundred miles again? B would you do Gritchell uh, again? Uh, or is there anything you would change? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to go out and, um, and um, I'd love to have another go at Gritchell for sure. Um, just don't know when it's going to be. We've got some big things coming up um, with work and everything. So going to make some sacrifices there to make, make all of that, that happen. Um, but yeah, so uh, Gritchell's uh, definitely still on my radar again. I want to see how fast I can do it. Maybe in a little bit better weather, um, changing some things up with the exchanges, um, taking a look at um you know, completing all 100% of my training program and seeing what that looks like and how I feel after that. Um, but yeah, you know, one of the things that really, you know, piques my interest at this point is um, all the self-supported stuff. I know my guys aren't going to like to hear that, but, uh, um, you know, I think there was something special that I found in being able to do something by yourself and, you know, knowing that you were the one responsible for everything along the way. Um, I got a lot of satisfaction out of that, just that 40 mile run. So I'm thinking about what I could do. Um, it's big, maybe not a hundred miles. Um, I've been toying with the idea of maybe doing scar smoky challenge adventure run as a uh, self-supported event as well. Um, but I think that, that scar is my next, um, my next big go. Um, at, at the longer distance. Um, and, you know, I think I also have this desire of, 
see you know, how fast I can go through the mountains on, uh, you know, some of the routes like seven sisters up in Montreat, um, the black mountain area and, uh, the, uh, the grand further, uh, running across grand further grandfather and then back across. So working on my speed as well, but yeah, it's really those, uh, those longer distances really pique my interest and, um, seeing where and uh, how far I can go and how fast I can go on some, some stronger, uh, more well-prepared legs. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned your, um, your Instagram account. Um, is that the best way that people can connect with you? Yeah. Yeah. Get on there. Um, uh, it's, it's okay. Bert McGirt. And if anybody uh, is familiar with old school hip hop, it's a, it's a play on uh, ODB. He, one of his monikers was uh, um, Dirt McGirt. So I changed mine to Vert McGirt. Uh, so yeah, get on there. You can check me out. Uh, V-E-R-T-M-C-G-R-T. Uh, that's definitely the best way. And then on Strava, if you just uh, search Kevin Ball, you can uh, check out my some of my SKTs. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Kevin. Uh, well, I certainly appreciate you you sharing your experience and your journey with us. It was uh, it's it's fun hearing it from your side of things. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure and a, an honor to, to start it and enjoy my time with you. Um, so thanks again for sharing with us. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, thanks for all the training. It's, it's been huge and I can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> Absolutely, buddy. Have right. a good day. Yep.